Welcome in, everybody, Nerdicons. We're back again. I think this is, what, the third episode we've done this week. But we're back trying to keep you entertained during quarantine. We're still not sick, although we're pre-taping this, so we might be sick by the time we get it. But we're sick in the head. And with me, I'm your host, Russell. And with me, as always, is my sick-in-the-head New Jersey counterpart, Carl. Say hi to the people, Carl. Hey, Knuckle Dukers. How you doing? <laughs> Seriously, we don't listen to listen to suggestions from the government we do what we want (laughs) (laughs) and this week and this week on this episode we are joined by somebody i have gotten to know through social media over the years i mean we've we've traded off he is a wrestling fan and superhero extraordinaire rob tell the people hi hey guys how y'all doing Rob is joining us tonight. We don't really have much of an episode because we are trying to uh, – I'm going to be fr- upfront with everybody here. We are banking episodes to release throughout the quarantine because we, we, we all have families. Carl has a, a demanding girlfriend that he loves very dearly who, who commands a lot of his time. And we want to spend time with them during the quarantine, watch movies, watch fun stuff. So we're banking as many episodes as we can just so we can put these out as for you guys so you're entertained. Because some of you may not have families. You might be sitting at your parents' house during quarantine and be like, I need something to do. So here we are. Tonight, today, this episode, we are reviewing Batman from 1989. Again, like I said, we don't have a lot to talk about. There was some news that released, but we don't think this one little piece of news is worth talking about. So we're just going to go on. We're going to review this movie. We do our, our slight. You, you guys know our scale. It's a A, B, C, like you were in high school scale. If you want to give it an A plus, give it an A plus, give it an A minus, fail it. If you give it an F, it's an F, but that's the thing. Um, I've completely forgot which direction we are going to go with on grades so i'm going to start with our guest tonight guest go first here on the podcast batman 1989 oh wait i'm supposed to go over some of the things about the movie it was directed by tim burton it was written by who did who wrote this movie i always forget um it was written by sam ham and warren scarin um it stars jack nicholson michael keaton Kim Basinger, Robert Wool, Billy D. Williams has a, has a role in it. Jack Palance, amongst others, Michael Goo and, Pat, Goo and Pat Hingle are also in this. Danny Elfman did the music. Classic score. Prince did the soundtrack. Classic soundtrack. And this movie came out June 19th, 1989. <laughs> We've done three movies. To me... I'll get into it, but Rob, what's your thoughts on this movie? Um, overall, I give it a B. A B. And it's, I'll say it's not, and I will say there wasn't really anything that I would call like a major drawback in my opinion. It's just that it kind of didn't hit that next level, if that makes any sense. But yeah, it was a solid, good, but I would not call it great. And it just, yeah, just didn't hit the. It just it didn't hit 
it didn't hit that next level for me. Did it hit your nostalgia? Um, not for me. Um, because see, all right, my first experience with Batman was the Adam West right. thing, right? And that's when I was like, you know, I saw that when I was like five or six years old. And when this came out, I was 14. So I was, you know, the, you know, he was kind of the, you know, I was a teenager. So now, you know, the, you know, that, you know, goofy, silly stuff is that, well, that all sucks. So, I was, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, well, oh, we're going to get serious Batman. That's what, that's what we really want to see right now. You know? And so, yeah, I was kind of, I was excited on that front. And then it's funny. Then when I saw like Michael Keaton was going to be Batman, I was like, they cast Johnny dangerously as Batman. See, like, for me, it was Mr. Mom as Batman. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I saw Mr. <laughs> I'd seen Johnny Dangerously, and I, look, I love those both of those movies. And Johnny Dangerously, you if you have not seen that, it is hilarious. You should watch that movie. But I love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> that's the, uh, that, that's one of those like obtuse Michael Keaton movies people don't mention often, but I'm like so happy that you did because it's such a great movie. Oh yes. Yeah, but you know the them casting him as what's supposed to be a serious Batman, I'm kind of like, I was like, okay. Yeah, because on, until that point, he really hadn't done a super serious role. He was always in like maybe like a lighthearted like comedy comedy drama, but he's yeah. never in like a super serious. You didn't think of Michael Keaton as being tough, you know? Yeah. Batman. And I also wondered, like, okay, now, you know, I mean, and he wasn't, you know, he's not like a big dude. And so, like, how's he going to look intimidating? And, in I mean, not that Adam West was, but that was played for laughs. So, you know, I was like, well, how is he going to look intimidating? It was supposed to be a serious movie. But, you know what? Um, you know, by, you know, once the guy rolling and, you know, I was like, well, damn, they pulled it off. Uh, they did it. You know, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, uh, Carl, what's your grade? My grade, I um, I'm kind of on the same page as Rob. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hovering around a B, maybe a B plus. Like the plus is definitely because of nostalgia from seeing it as a kid. Like there's just there's just a love, like that childhood love of uh, of it that you have for it. Mm-hmm. I have for it, so it, that's kind of like what's teetering it to a B plus. Um, but you know, through non eyes, I'd say it's just a straight B. Yeah. Okay. Well, not not to throw it throw a wrench in everything here, but I'm going to agree with everybody else. I, I do give it a B. Um, it does show its age a little bit, I think. Um, looking back uh, at it now. Most definitely. I. Yeah. I I do love Keaton as Batman. Um, his Bruce Wayne is kind of goofy looking. Um, I, I just think it's his curly, curly hair that throws me off on him. Uh, I thought a lot. I knew a lot of people didn't like the suit, but I was like, the, having a bulletproof suit makes so much sense for Batman, in I'm my opinion. Uh, I love Elfman's score. I, I, I I'm. That's part of it. And, and the nostalgia factor, like like Carl, makes me want to bump it up to a B. Um, I, a B plus. I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch Nicholson after watching 
guys like Leto and and Mark Hamill and uh, Heath Ledger take this role on. And especially after watching Joaquin Phoenix, who is supposedly playing this same character, I just – Nicholson does stand out. He was able, I think, to bridge the seriousness of the role that, that, that Burton wanted – but at the same time, add some element. I, I I did see elements of Cesar Romero in there. Um, yeah, there is definitely like a little goofiness about it. I, I in my opinion, I really feel very much that this is Nicholson's movie. Like, well, yeah, it's not billing. Yeah, I mean, like there's way more Joker than there is Batman, and I really feel they went Jack, chew up the scenery, buddy, go. Like they just kind of like. You know what I mean? Because he chews the scenery hard. And I'm not complaining about it because you get great stuff out of it. But you can tell he's just full on like letting loose. Yeah, I mean, Rob, you got you got anything to say about Nicholson? Oh, yeah. And, We're I mean, just I, going into it. We're just going into it here. I will <laughs> transition. Oh, yeah. Because what, I mean, what happens a lot of times when these, you know, award winning actors, when they take one of these movies a lot of times they mail it in and you know it, it, they're there for a check and but he was not doing that he came in and he you know went at it and actually it was it was his movie like everyone that i've watched the movie with ever has always come out of it saying that he made the movie and he you know and he he elevated the character which well, unfortunately, DC uses the character way too much now. <laughs> and that's, I guess, that is the, you know, distant side effect of him elevating the role like that. But and without what he did here, then, you know, there wouldn't have been any, you know, Heath Ledger or Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, they wouldn't keep going back to this. Right. If he had set this standard. Just he made, he made it into a big time role that people want to play now. Yeah. I, I just, he had some of the best lines, you know, you he, in the museum, he has, where does he get those wonderful toys? And, you know, a little song, a little dance, Batman's head on a lance, you know? And, the, and of course the line of all lines is you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. I mean, yeah. I wish, if I'd have heard Ledger utter that or anything, I'd have been like, I, I'm okay with this. <laughs> I mean, that, so many great if that if, if that line had become a a Joker line that became part of the character's mythos, I think that that's the only disservice I see after this movie is that line in itself. And I might be putting too much on the line itself, but I think I, I think I put a lot on it because. You know, I was nine years old when I saw this movie. This was the first movie my parents let me go see multiple times in theaters. I'm, you know, we're showing Rob's age here. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm old down the podcast a whole lot of times when I'm a guest. So, like, you know. <laughs> but, but I just that line always stuck out to me. That's the first movie line I can remember being able to quote as a fan of movies and and. You know, for the longest time, people would ask me, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite movie? And from like nine years old till about probably The Dark Knight came out, I would have said Batman. And and that's even with Star Wars being out. That's even with Lord of the Rings 
putting movies out, you know, even the start of the, you know, Marvel franchises for the long time, it was either Batman or the dark Knight. And now I couldn't answer the question, but honestly, I'd have to think about it. But for the longest time, this was, you know, people were always like, star Wars is my favorite movie. Um, or, you know, back to the future is my favorite. I'm like, no, it's Batman. It's, I, and, and that's a lot of nostalgia there. And I, I just, I just really liked the way that, um, Burton made, made it feel, you know, if you look yeah, back I mean, at it now, go Carl. I mean, there's a lot of, you could tell definitely like what an influence this movie had on the animated series. Right. Cause there's also like a, a like there's a mix of like timeliness in it because there's a lot of you know, pinstripe suit, fedora-wearing gangsters, a lot of people on the street wearing um, pinstripe and fedora, and there's some, like, old-timey cars mixed in with modern cars of that time. Right. Um, and you can really see where, like, they, like, the animated series pulled a lot of that look from this movie, because it, it, it's kind of like, you can't pinpoint a time, you know? Like, exactly. In the, From the movie, like, when does this take place? You know what I mean? But it's like it's, it's like I discussed on our Ninja Turtles podcast, which hopefully everybody's listened to now. Um, Ninja Turtles, Crow, and Batman together, like they they have this. It's like you know, Ninja Turtles is the one the kids can go see. The Crow is one for the adults, and Batman's the movie for the teenagers. And they all feel like they they have the same mood. Does that make Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Crow still feels very 90s to me, but it still has the same kind of aesthetic. Right. But I think like, the music makes the Crow feel 90s. That's that's where I'm. I mean, this but, is true. But like the but, cinematography and 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 the, and the photography and the way it's filmed, it just yeah. They all feel like um, they, could, they could be in the same family of films. But even then, in the same lines of Ninja Turtles, like we discussed, you know, hopefully everybody listened to that episode by now before they listen to this one, is that there is adult there's a humor for the adults too. There's lines in Batman that I didn't get as a kid, like when Joker says, "Never rub another man's revolver." Like I didn't know I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like you know when he goes. What type of world do we live in where a man steals all, dressed up as a bat, steals all of my press? This town needs an enema. Like, I didn't know what the hell an enema was when I was nine. Like, as an adult, you're like, oh, man. Yeah, I thought he just mispronounced enemy. Yeah, this town needs an enema. Like, there's, I mean, there's the adult humor in it, too, for the adults who are like, oh, you know. And that's the same with Turtles. There's a, there was, there's some adult humor snuck into that movie that, you know, you're not going to get as a kid. I, I remember before this movie came out and the radio morning DJ that my, my, I think my dad or my mom listened to, I can't remember which one on my way to school would, was talking about this movie. He could not wait to see this movie because he was absolutely in love with Kim Basinger. He thought she was the most beautiful creature on God's green earth. And I saw this movie and I was like, yeah, I could get with that. I can, I could see that. But now I'm like, Huh, she married Alec Baldwin. Mm-mm-mm. My choice. <laughs> I mean, she's attractive, but I have to say this. By by the towards the end of the movie, you get sick of her screaming. <laughs> but, 
You get sick of her screaming. By the end of this movie, you're just like, oh, come on, stop screaming. It's kind, it's kind of like me with John Boyega in the Star, new Star Wars movies. He's always screaming for Ray. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be a disservice of us to not talk about this movie and then not talk about Keaton's role in the Batman as Batman. You know, you're going to compare him to Christian Bale. You're going to compare him to Batfleck. You're going to compare him to Clooney and Kilmer, of course. So, Rob, for you... As the you're, I'm going to say it, you're the biggest Batman fan here, so I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I mean, I am wearing a movie Spider-Man shirt, Carl, by the way, so you can see that. I, I'm in, I'm ready for bed. <laughs> I'm hitting the hay after this. But Rob, you are the biggest Batman fan here. Where does Keaton rank for you in the pantheon of Batman live-action movie Batman? I mean, you could, it's there's. You're just opening a whole can of worms with animated and and TV. So for this, okay. where do you go? Okay, so he's definitely better than Clooney, definitely better than Kilmer. That's that's hands down. Don't even try to convince, talk to me about either one of them being better than him. That's just not true. Right. And Clooney, look, look Clooney was check cashing. Okay, <laughs> he was there for a check, man, and you can tell the whole time. But so I, you know, he's definitely better than both of them in every aspect of it. Now comparing him to Batfleck and Christian Bale, okay, um, I liked his speaking voice better than Christian Bale. I'm sure everybody <laughs> else. Would too. I don't. Think, I don't think you're gonna get much argument on that one. Yeah, I mean, like, there's one, like, that is the negative to Christian Bale, whatever you think about the rest of it, his performance. But, so, speaking voice, better. Uh, um, I think his Bruce Wayne, I mean, I, I really liked the kind of quirky weirdo vibe right. he had, you know, and as opposed to, um, you know, like, uh, and it, that was different than what Bale and what Batflick did. Um, as far as now, as far as like fighting, I mean, I think, well, Batflick is the fighter. He, that's, I think he's, because, well, I, I enjoy his fighting the best because he was just big and physical and beat the crap yeah. out of people. Um, I always say that one thing in that the warehouse scene in BVS is the most, is the, that's the Batman scene we've, we've all been, that's the Batman fight scene we've all been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, as far as the other aspects of it, um, okay, I really liked the bat suit. I thought, yeah, um, and, uh, you know, I think overall, in all aspects of it, he was good in every area. There wasn't any one part that really, you know, that I thought was right. really a negative. So, and considering how much I was against him being cast in the first place, um, I mean, it, it, he way overachieved, and yeah, you know, by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, that, yeah, this this is good. And, it's like, <laughs> and whereas, you know, I mean, sometimes with some of those castings, you're like, oh, really? Yeah. So overall, I'd say good. And I'll compare, you know, and then you know, honestly, it depends on what day of the week you ask me between him, Bale, and Batfleck. I mean. Right. 
I, I could honestly, I'm happy with any one of either one of the three, other than Christian Bale's speaking voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just it just depends. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what mood I'm in when I'm watching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and but like I said, he was good. Yeah. In every aspect of it, in my opinion. Well, now you mentioned that, just to like see if anybody picked up on this. I feel like Bale's Batman voice wasn't as bad in Begins, but then when he went to to Dark Knight, it drastically got worse. Like I thought it was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting choice for the voice in Batman Begins, but then in Bat Dark Knight, it got a lot more like this. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like it got like progressively worse like i was like have a halls brother like you know like, <laughs> like well, a little raspy Chris, okay. christian bale did lose his voice he lost his voice during filming of one of those movies oh okay yeah i, I read that uh, it, had, it had to be dark night because batman again he still talked like that but like it wasn't as bad as dark night <laughs> yeah you know what i mean um, I personally, Michael Keaton's my favorite Batman. Um, I think m- my thing with Christian Bale is always the the voice. It just even I just go back to the one scene in Batman: The Dark Knight Rises, where Catwoman disappears and he goes, "Oh, that's what that feels like." It's like, dude you don't have to use the voice when you're the only one there. Yeah. Uh, but, um, and, and my thing with Ben Affleck was Ben Affleck, I think was cast 15 years too late. In my opinion, I think if you cast Ben Affleck 15 years prior to BVS, you've got your definitive Batman right there. Um, I like Ben Affleck as an actor. I think Ben Affleck does a fine job acting. I've liked most of Ben Affleck's movies. I'm one of the few people that actually like um, Armageddon. Um, I have seen Reindeer Games. I'm not going to comment on it any further than that. But but I do like uh, I do like Ben Affleck. But I think Michael Keaton's my favorite. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment on Mr. Pattinson until we see that movie or we see a trailer. Yeah. Clue. Clooney, Clooney, I felt was a good Wayne. He wasn't a good Batman, and Kilmore was vice versa. Kilmore was a decent Batman. He was a terrible Bruce Wayne. Um, but I mean, Kilmer tried. Kilmer was earnest, but it's Keaton for me. Um, I'm I'm taking Adam West out of the equation because he's everybody's favorite. Um, <laughs> Carl, who do you like? Um, it's really hard. there's different aspects that I like better. Like, um, I like Keaton's Batman, but I like Bale's Bruce Wayne. And I think that's just how the movies are written. Um, and it, it's kind of like a trope or a problem that a lot of early on superheroes movies had is you're just waiting for him to put on the costume again. Right. You know what I mean? So you don't really get to like, like him as Bruce Wayne, you don't get that much time with him as Bruce Wayne. Um, where Bale, Bruce Wayne is the story. Like he is, like he is the focus, and you don't care when he doesn't have the costume on. You know what I mean? 
and that's like the one positive I'll give that that trilogy is like you're not counting down to when he puts on the suit because you invested so much in Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? They're one and the same. Where I feel like this movie kind of suffers from that same thing a lot of early on superhero movies suffer from is just like counting down to like put on the suit. When he's putting on a suit again, I want to see him as Batman, put on the suit. You know what I mean? So, um, right. really, uh, Keaton's my favorite Batman, but Bale is my favorite Bruce Wayne. Okay. Um, the voice you. definitely is a detractor for Bale as Batman. Um, <laughs> I didn't like I don't... the suit in the last two movies for Bale. Looked like a bobblehead. Well, I mean, look at 89. His That Carol was huge on Keaton. I know. I love it. Love he it. Looked like... He looked like a bobblehead too, but um, I like Affleck. I just I like the aesthetic of Affleck. He looked like Jim Lee's art. Right. Um, yeah. I don't feel like I got enough time with him as Batman. Like, you know what I mean? To make a judgment. Like he was always, you know, the supporting character in someone else's story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would like I would have liked to have seen. A Ben Affleck Batman solo movie. Then I would have been like, okay, now I could compare him to those who have come before him. But I mean, I don't, I don't mind him. I, I definitely like that suit. Right. Um, I don't, I don't want to go too far into the, into the Zack Snyder. No, I don't. No, I'm just all that. Because <laughs> I could say a lot. Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd have loved to see an Affleck solo movie. Mm, yeah, I just yeah. I I think that was a huge problem with Justice League and BVS was we didn't get introduced to Batman and Wonder Woman before they're just thrown in there against Superman. <coughs> so, but that that's another podcast. I yeah, but and uh, I'm in one of the, I'm in the minority of people who did not hate those movies. Uh, and but I kind of don't talk about them because like you don't. <laughs> You don't you don't get reasonable opinions on Twitter about either one of those movies. Oh, you're not yeah. gonna get a reasonable opinion on anything on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say is like I do. Just ask Roman Reigns. <laughs> I do really, I do really love the '89 suit. I yeah. don't like the I don't like the return suit, but I like I like the uh, the '89 suit, and it definitely like like the cinematography with it. It just it just it looks great amazing in shots i mean right i mean a lot of the bat suits had the problem with like he can't turn his head so he's got to turn pivot his whole body to like look right or left but just like standing there like in the shadows and other scenes it just looks phenomenal um and it's very menacing looking i think i think it's more menacing than the bail the bail costume well not the begins Cowl was a little menacing, but the, yeah. the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, it looked like it just it looked like a bicycle helmet. Yes. Um, Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. The only thing about the Affleck thing I, I, I can complain about is that I just didn't like the little tiny little nub ears. I wish they would have gave him bigger ears, like just a little bit. But other than that, but I, the '89 costumes, well, I know I love it. See, I, that's why I don't like the Arkham suits because the ears are too big. Oh, yeah, I like my ears between what Keaton had and what Affleck had, somewhere in there. That's that. That's the sweet yeah, spot no, on the Batman ears. Yeah, yeah. There's no like, 
yeah, it looks like he'd impale people with those ears. <laughs> or like he'd like walking through a doorway, he'd be like, oh, catch his head a little bit with those Arkham <laughs> Asylum ears. But those Arkham Asylum ears remind me very of like long Halloween. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like that particular artist that likes to draw like three foot bat ears. Yeah. Um, what else about the movie? Well, I, I know we can all agree on the Batmobile. It's the best Batmobile ever. Um, oh, yeah. I think we all agree on that. Love it. Um, yeah, it looks like a Batmobile. It looks like a car. Like, yeah. Now, I want I do I do kind of want to talk about Nicholson again mm. because you have to talk about Nicholson's Joker and you have to talk about the other live action Jokers because they're going to be compared. But yeah. my opinion is, and I and I want you guys to to talk about this too, is I don't think you can compare them. I think Nicholson's is so standalone. And then you've got Ledger, who is so standalone. You cannot compare those two Jokers to each other at all. Right. I, I just want to throw out Jared Leto's Joker so bad. <laughs> I, just, I think I think he was desperately trying to make it his own, and he went a little too. Yeah, it didn't work. He tried. I'll give him. I'll give him props for trying. He really tried to make it his own and make it different. You know, he didn't. He didn't want to like be on the shoulders of Ledger, you know what I mean? Like, right. I understand. I yeah. But, um, Nicholson, if anything, very much, like, I feel like picked a little bit of pieces from Romero. Or, yeah. Romero, uh, Caesar Romero. Yeah. Know, like, especially with the laugh and the <laughs> like, the little stuff. Like, but he, he, you could tell he was a very disturbed person. You know what I mean? Like, he was still, like... He seemed dangerous. Leto's Joker, like... You kind of look at him and you go... I could probably beat the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Like... You know what I mean? Like... Where Nicholson's Joker... You didn't know what he was going to do. He was scary. I found yeah. Ledger's Joker definitely way more scarier. Like... I don't know if it was just the aesthetic and just like the mystery behind him. He's definitely a little bit more scarier, but Nicholson's Joker, I think was definitely like the scarier of all of them. I don't really, honestly, and this might not be a popular opinion, but with River, not River, I almost said River Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. To me, I still feel like that movie could have been called anything. And it's not necessarily a, a Batman Joker, you know, universe movie. Like it could have been called, you know, Crazy Clown, you know what I mean, or, or something. Like it could have been anything. I don't even really like to count that because it doesn't even really feel like. Okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? They just happened to call New York Gotham, and uh, I just feel like that was a script laying on the table somewhere, and they're like, oh, you know what, dude? Why don't we just change the Joker? Do you know what I mean? Like it could have been called anything I, I think i've been very clear that i think the message of that movie was lost because of calling it joker and setting it where it was i think it was a very serious issue that needs to be talked about but i think a lot of people are like well does this how does this tie into robert pattinson you know but but i want to i want to get rob's opinion on 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 the joker and 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 joker in film basically i'm not going to ask you for your favorite because most okay. everybody's, I think, is Ledger. Um, I don't want to assume anything. If it is, if it's not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but 
Okay, because now for me, like, uh, Ledger was, like, frighteningly disturbing. Yes. And, you know, and uh, and unpredictable, you know, and well, he had a whole different mission than with Nicholson. Like, with Nicholson's Joker, you know, he, he was the mobster. They set him up. And then his motivation was basically just uh, – and it, well, initially to, to get back at the people who set him up, and he took out Napier, and he did that, and then he took over the mob, and then you know, and then falling in the chemicals made him a little crazy. So and then he wanted to, you know, douse everybody yeah. else too. And, and you know, and it was, but it was more of a singular kind of focus than with Ledger, and like with Ledger, Ledger is more like you know he's trying to prove a point. You know, like you know, like he said throughout the movie that you know that. People are going to hypocrites, and that if you just give them enough pressure, they will show you just how evil and disgusting they really are on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think I listened yeah, to a podcast where they referred to him as agent of chaos. Yeah, and so I mean, with Jack, it was more like Jack had a kind of singular personal mission. Like he had some stuff that he wanted to do. You know, so he he wanted to accomplish something, right. like concrete stuff, where Ledger just had, had a point to prove. And so I feel his, like Ledger, Ledger's Joker was far more closer to the comic book Joker. Um, because he was definitely had it out for Batman. Like, do you know what I mean? He definitely think, was targeting yeah, Batman. Oh yeah, because I think Nicholson's Joker wanted to kill Batman and get him out of the way and be done with him. Um, Ledger, it was like the kind of cat and mouse game that goes on between them all the time. Right. I mean, Ledger more tapped into that more, a lot more. And I mean, he even says like, "I don't want to kill you because you're too much fun." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how <laughs> I mean, he's in the comics. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He whereas gets his kicks with messing with Batman. Yeah. Whereas, like with Nicholson's Joker, Batman was an obstacle, and he, he wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't a game, you know. I, yeah, feel like, he, I feel he, like he didn't, he didn't want he he wanted to be the only freak in Gotham, not this you know Batman guy. Right. I, I, feel, like, I feel like Ledger would have killed everybody in that movie except Batman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the difference. Yes. And that's the Joker I like. I like that about the Joker that there's never really any peril for Batman, but it's peril for everybody around him. Yeah, because I'm. Yeah. Uh, well, I know um, just a tangent here, but like in the animated series, when that one episode where he thought Harley had killed Batman, and he got pissed. Yeah. And he was like, "What are you crazy? What are you stupid? What, what's wrong with you? You're not supposed to kill him." <laughs> I remember that. I love that episode. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of like classic Joker's motivation, besides just messing with Batman, is to push Batman to the point where he kills him. Where, like, Batman kills the Joker because he's trying to prove a point. Like, there's going to come a time where you're going to break your rule. You know what I mean? Yeah, and his, his, and his point is, you're no better than me. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, that's that's the that's that's the main crux behind the Batman who laughs. That is what Batman would become if he killed the Joker. He's basically... Yeah. He's... He's... That's what happens. He's Batman's worst nightmare. I mean, the idea of that 
Although I think I'm like a little over the whole medals thing in comics right now. So glad we're getting a sequel, but I think they, it's like, let's pull as much as we can out of it and then pull more. But I guess that character got over, unfortunately. And (laughs) that Batman who laughs character, it it got over and now we're never going to be rid of him. No, he's here forever. God bless Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love those guys, man. Not, but and you know, and, you know, I got no issue with them creating the character and all of that. But right. I just there's sometimes you really wish certain characters did not get over, and that one was like one of the worst characters that get oh. over. I mean, their run from Court of Owls up to um. I know death of the family. I, 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 you, you, you're gonna have it's it's definitive of Batman. It's one of the classic Batman runs. Yep. That in 20, 30 years they'll still be talking like we still talk about Neil Adams' run on Batman, but people are gonna be yep. talking about Snyder and Capullo's run on Batman for the new 52, and they're still probably gonna have thousands of comic books with the Batman who laughs in it, but. <laughs> They'll probably be just as sick of him. <laughs> I just feel for the, the the character in the comics alone. They're just trying to get blood from a stone now. You know what I mean? Like it's just like uh, I feel right. like they just like destroyed the character and they don't even realize it yet. Um. Well, because like when I saw uh, like when I started to see people cosplaying as Batman who laughs, then I was like, oh, right, where, where is it's never going to end now. <laughs> Well, I just I, I like Batman. Batman has been my second favorite DC character since I was a child. I just he's so there's so much more in DC than just Batman, and there's so much more to Batman than what people are you know want to see. They want to see the Joker. They want to see you know all this stuff. Uh, and it's, he's it's got the a, best road beside I. Well, he does. He's got the best rogues gallery in all the comics. You know, Spider-Man is very much close second. Um, he's got the most interesting villains, and they always pull from the same the same villains. Right. I mean, I would. I mean, although he's been done before, I would like, honest to God, to see a real good interpretation. Of, have they just pulled him from the animated series, like uh, Mr. Freeze? Oh, that would just be such a cool dark movie. You mean you mean you didn't you didn't enjoy Arnold's portrayal? Oh, oh yeah. chill, chill, <laughs> chill. Freeze! What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Carl, you may have to do your Schwarzenegger voice more often. Yeah. <laughs> Animals don't work on hearts of ice. Like, you know, like. Yeah, no, like, uh, with, no, I guess, my only, like, what I think with Mr. Freeze is, like, he's, he, he you know, he, he's good for one story. Like, if you would do a movie with him, like, you don't have to kill him at the end, but he, he's kind of a one-story character. And, sure. But right. it'd be a damn good story. Yeah. You've know, got that whole Heart of Ice episode from the animated series. That was, and, and, and then, um. That was nominated for an Emmy. Yeah, and I mean that was that was that was great stuff, and and the other one I, mean, I wish well, I'm glad that um the Pattinson movie is gonna have 
different people in it than the Joker. And right. I'm a Riddler, Mark. Um, I I love the Riddler. Yeah, and, and yeah, I was so happy like when I went Snyder and Capullo when he did the zero year thing that he ended up being the you know the villain at the end, you know, through it all. Yeah. And, just like Hush, and that's what made Hush so interesting was that end on who really orchestrated the whole thing. And it was the oh, Riddler. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, people. You haven't run a 10 year old comic. Yeah, for almost a, a 20 year old story arc. Yeah. I've, 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 it's always been Batman's big three for me has been Joker, Penguin, Riddler. And I guess that, that, that goes back to, uh, to Romero, Gorshin, and, and Burgess Meredith. Yes. And, but I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, when, when somebody like Christopher Nolan says, you know what, I'm not going to do the Penguin because he's not that realistic. And then he does Bane. I'm like, yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which I that's the one thing I do like about the Arkham games is their twist on certain characters, and I like that Penguin was like just a gangster. We just yeah. happened to call him a Penguin because you know what I mean. He laughed like a penguin and stuff. Like he wasn't like he wasn't the '66 like Penguin Batman. Like he was like a gangster. Like if only Bob Hopkins was still alive, I'd say make him the Penguin. You know. Like, but but there's nothing wrong with what Danny DeVito did with the character. And just like, I didn't like that character. <laughs> I just had to, I just had to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Groping women and like. Every, everybody watched. Everybody watched. Everybody watched Batman Returns for Michelle Pfeiffer in the Catwoman suit. Uh, yeah. No, I I did that. No, I actually did. I loved Jim Carrey's Riddler. I thought, oh, you did? Oh, yes, I did. I thought it was okay. great. Man. I, I mean, look, I'm willing to accept being in the minority on that one, but <laughs> I, I thought he did a great job. And well, because I mean, look, I, I like Jim Carrey. I mean, I haven't seen all of his movies, but I do like Jim Carrey, and right. I thought he did a great job. Um, I'm, I'm very, I, I don't, I've never seen, I, I've seen one movie that Paul Dano's been in, and I don't remember him in that movie because I like to forget that I watched that movie. But I'm interested to see his take. I, sorry, I'm not. I'm not a Ryan Johnson fan. I saw him in Looper. I was not a fan of Looper. Um, yeah, that, that movie was under very underwhelming to me. I, yeah. Because people spoke really highly of it. When I watched it, I was like, "That's it." I just couldn't get past the Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a young Bruce or young Bruce Willis. I was like, I still think his his, no. best, his best movie is Brick and. Even that is like that's a very like slow paced movie, but it's really good. And I don't know, I think he's just been riding that 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 movie for a while. Um, but so, what else about eighty nine Batman? So we, um, we got on a tangent, like we know we would. But what, what I mean. Rob, what's your favorite scene from 89? Like, what's your, like, if you had to pick a scene, what's your ultimate, like, if you had to skip to that scene, like, what scene did you rewind the most and watch again and again at 89 Batman? Um, okay, actually, well, one of them is the opening. You know, when, you know, when the guys, when the two guys moved the family and then when he first, you know, when he appears and, you know, they shoot him and then he, they think he's dead and he hops back up and, you know, 
beats the crap out of him, and he, and he hangs a guy over the back. You know, says, who are you? I'm Batman. That's one of them. Uh, when the, the Joker is, you know, defacing the museum because, I mean, they're playing Party Man in the background. And that is a kick-ass Prince song. And I, 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 he's, he's, he's stealing all my answers here. Let me go for a third one that hopefully you are not thinking of. Um, oh man, there, there's so many scenes that I just love. I, you know, um, when uh, another one is when you know he's flying in the bat plane and then, and then the Joker pulls out the big long gun out of his pants. <laughs> I, I, I. It was so funny. I was watching Teen Titans go the other day with my kids and they were, they ended up in the bat cave and they found a fire pole and they're like, Ooh, what does this do? And they all went upstairs. And so they're like, you live here. This is a huge, you know, like all this stuff. And Robin's like giving them a tour. They walk into this dining room and it's got this huge long table. He's like, and here's the dining room where Michael Keaton had a date with Kim Basinger. (laughs) <laughs> and then they walked into another room it was like I, I can't it was so funny because they were just it was it was very meta and it was Robin was like talking about like this is and then they go out to a dumpster and it has Val Kilmer's suit and Clooney's suit and Ben Affleck's suit and he's like we don't talk about these <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it it's I but I, I just found it funny but yeah I mean you can't get over, those are iconic scenes I mean, the scene where he throws the water on the Joker and he's like, I'm melting, I'm melting. And he goes, boom. <laughs> yeah. like, Dude, I, I love this movie. I mean, and giving it a B, you would think, well, do you really love it? Yes, a B is a very good grade. Um, yeah. I would kill for my kid to have a B in math right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> But I mean, the thing is, like nowadays, so much it's like if you, if you, you know, if, if you don't give something an A, people act like, act like you say this, you're saying it, that it sucks. Right. Yeah. It either has to be the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. And it's like, well, here's the no thing. Nuance. And if all the movies that we've seen, because obviously the genre has grown and we've gotten very like amazing movies out of it. But if that was still one of the only superhero movies that we had, we had nothing else to base it on except for Ninja Turtles and Superman. It'd probably pretty much be an A plus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but for something from the eighties to still get a B today, means that it was you know it wasn't it was a good movie yeah you know? and, oh yeah and, for you sure. know some stuff dated but i mean as an overall movie it you know it still holds up uh, and there's nothing wrong with that no i mean the score obviously iconic yes even though like going through what you think is like a cave and it turns out to be a giant bat symbol takes a little while but the music is just like pumps you up so much like and, I mean, nothing's ever compared since to that. Like, I mean, there's John Williams' Superman theme and um, Danny Elfman's Batman theme that are, like, just so iconic. I mean, John Williams' Empire Strikes Back theme is iconic, too. Like, right. when you think of Batman, you hear that, like, like, it's just, like, 
it's ingrained in you. You hear that, you know it's Batman. I mean, Spider-Man doesn't have that. You know what I mean? None of the Marvel characters really have that, like, iconic score where you can hear it and go, oh, that's this person. Well, it's like like you're looking at the back. You, 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 you take the CD, dating myself here, or you go on the Apple iTunes, whatever, and you look at it, it says Batman's theme. Yeah. You know, Superman's theme. You don't have – you don't go to Captain America's soundtrack. Here's Captain America's theme. Yeah, they you don't, don't have, that. have it. And, right. and I think that's something that we're kind of lacking right now in superhero movies is that – definitive theme i mean the avengers had it the avengers had their theme well i mean it was missing so much that in justice league they brought back those classic themes just to put them in to make it feel like it might be more iconic to have them in there well yeah in batman superman they tried to give one they gave wonder woman a theme but they didn't title it wonder woman's theme they titled it is she with you and it's like no this is her theme Tell us it, it, that very much should be her theme because they even played it in her own trailer in her own movie that like the electric guitar like yeah it does suit her but like you said it's not called Wonder Woman's theme I mean now the soundtrack me personally like looking at it now and I thought as we, as a kid I was like eh. like but even more now is like I really don't get the connection between Batman and Prince I feel like that was very much mandated <laughs> by the studio. <laughs> like here's a list of artists he's coming out with a new album soon we really think you should put make this the sound you know what i mean i mean i got yeah did i buy the soundtrack and then my parents uh found out from a friend that prince in the beginning of that one song was going get the fuck up like they couldn't tell that he was cursing in the in the very beginning of the song you know what i mean my parents like yeah okay you're not listening to this anymore because <laughs> he's screaming get the fuck up like you know what I mean? Which to me doesn't make sense to put into a Batman movie. Because you know little kids are going to go see it. Yeah. and um, But, well, I think uh, well, Prince was on Warner Brothers records for a long, long time. And, you know, Warner Brothers owns DC and all that. So, I don't know. Some suit that Warner Brothers might have asked for. You know, I think most of it was Prince trying to get out of his record contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he, I mean, he, for the longest time, he was doing whatever he could to get out of that thing. So, I, yeah, it, it might have just been, let me do this album. This is one more of my number of obligated albums for this record company. So, let me do this. Because I really and don't think me. Tim Burton's a Prince fan. I really don't think he's a well, Prince Tim fan. Well, Tim Burton never really had music in his movies. He's always had Elfman score. Yeah. He never yeah. really had songs with words. And I think, you know, and I'm not complaining about it. I think Party Man was a great addition to that scene where you see, where you hear the Prince songs in the movie, it works. And um, when he's throwing the money out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they made a big deal about it with the Bat Dance video, which was kind of weird, but okay. And that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the song where he was going, get the fuck up. Oh, really? <laughs> see, I, I did not know that. Yeah, if you find a copy of that song, listen to the beginning. He's saying, get the fuck up. Like, he's saying, get the fuck up. Like, screaming, get the fuck up in it. <laughs> but, I, 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 I mean, looking back at it now, it's like, 
wow, this is how did this happen? <laughs> how did mm. Prince get the soundtrack to this? If anything, I think the Prince soundtracks would date to the movie. It does. It does. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Um. So guaranteed, if I were to look at Tim Burton's record collection, the only Prince album is going to be the '89 Batman soundtrack that's in his collection. He <laughs> just does not seem like a dude that would be like, "Yes, Prince is my favorite." I think I think you look at Tim Burton's record collection; it's going to include a lot of Danny Elfman and Devo. Um, yeah, he's definitely a product of the '80s. Um, I don't have anything more to say about this movie. Do you guys? I feel like we've 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 stretch we've we've got our tangent in, as always, people. And um, well, I mean, well, uh, yeah, um, no disrespect to Kim Basinger at all, but the whole that whole angle to the movie seemed kind of forced to me. Well, I mean, it, it definitely made me feel like Alexander Knox was the only way to bring her character in and make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean. And, and I mean, I, I like, um, I mean, I like Knox. He was, you know, Robert Wool's always good in those little side roles. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but I think, you know, she was kind of the first of many superhero movies with the forced love interest. Um, not that, and not that he couldn't have one in the movie. It's just that, to me, that particular angle with right. her kind of forced. And I guess, and you know, that might be one of the reasons that I give it a B instead of an A. Because well, that and Alfred Bringer in the back, he was so corny. Like it's like, why? <laughs> like why are you? Didn't doing he make the joke in Batman Returns? I was yeah. the one who let Vicky Vale in the Batcave, or was that in Batman Forever? It was in Batman Returns, and it's just okay. yeah, and it's just I mean that I mean that because it's like you know anybody knows that you're not bringing a civilian. In. <laughs> I mean, in the comics, I think. I mean, Vicky Vale's in the comics. Yeah, she just reported. She's not a love interest. No, and um, Colin, I think the only woman that he's brought into the Batcave is Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than like you know Wonder Woman coming in there with Superman or something, right? But like the only the only woman that he's been like just kind of charmed into bringing into the Batcave is Catwoman. I don't think they know his secret identity. I mean, it's not like a love interest for Bruce Wayne and he bring Batman brings her. Like there's not that connection. Cause I know yeah, cause early I, on Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, because like in Batman begins when they brought you know when he brought Rachel there, she didn't at that point she didn't know it was him. And it was, you know, kind of a desperate kind of thing because she was dying and he had to just, he had to get her, you know, he had to take care of her. Yeah. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, she had, he didn't bring her in there because he had fallen for her or something, you know, and it's just that, that's just. You, you, uh, you don't want to get me started. You don't want to get me started on the the Bruce Wayne, Rachel Dawes storyline and in, in, in throughout those two movies. I, I will. <laughs> mm. Mm, 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 mm. But Russ, you didn't mention your favorite scenes. Like, what scenes would you that out of that movie would you like rewind to watch that particular scene again? Like, what oh, I'd watch? rewind the 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 museum scene from when she throws the water on the Joker till the end of it. Mm-hmm. To the alleyway fight. Yeah, till the alleyway fight. You weigh a little bit more than 108. 
And the opening, I mean, the opening was, you can't, you can't, that opening is a close second to the bank heist in the dark night. And I almost can't even compare the two because they're both that great. Yeah. They're totally different scenes, but yeah. yeah, But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, all those scenes I, I, I love, um, the opening scene with the guys on the roof, I love that scene because it feels almost horror movie-esque right. to me. Like, he, Batman in that moment is so scary. You know what I mean? And uh, but one fight that I know I, I kept rewinding. Like, I love the museum all the way to the uh, uh, 108. You weigh a little more than 108 scene. I mean, I, mean, I love that. But the uh, once he gets up into the bell tower, like, I thought, like, I thought it was hilarious when the guy jumped, like, he's... He's facing Joker, and the guy jumps out, and because the floorboards are so weak, he just busts through and falls. And Batman, like the guy, just falls through like this the um the floorboards. I was like, oh my god, I love that part. And then uh, the guy doing the unnecessary flips to jump out and have the knives come out of his boots. And I just always love the uh, part where the palm thing comes out and he hits him in the balls, and then he falls right to the ground. Mm. And then that one yeah, fight with that, about that. that dude. The one dude, like, man, that dude is, like, fucking him up. And then he thinks he falls and wraps his legs around his neck and just pulls him down. Like, that fight seems, like, great, like, to me. Um, even though Batman doesn't kill in the comics, but he sure does kill in the Tim Burton Batman movies. Like, in Returns, where he shoves the dynamite down the guy's pants and throws him in the hole. And I'm like, man, this isn't, this isn't true to batman but all right <laughs> yeah and that, that's i guess that's another thing because like when, when he went in the you know he drove the batmobile into the access chemicals and just blew the place all to hell and it's like okay yeah <laughs> it was almost like having a gatling gun in batman versus oh wait he did have that see i also i also love the access chemical raid and you get to see him again and i mean if i could count and i love it if i could count how many times he just backhanded like some guy right knocked him right out with one backhand. Like, oh yeah, that was like his go-to move in that movie. Like, but I love that scene. And he didn't kill that one guy. He just strung him up and he's swinging. And I always love the reaction to the cops first seeing him. Like you see Commissioner Gordon go, "Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> yeah, nice outfit. <laughs> like, <gasps> you don't really want to get. I mean. I think that's where the a part of my B comes from is the portrayal of Gordon and Alfred in this movie. Mm. It's just I'm like, oh, this isn't Gordon. Gordon's yeah. not that goofy. Well, you know what? One scene I didn't under, make any sense. There must have been a cut because when Acart he goes, "Hey, Acart, think about the future," and he's just kind of like waddling around and turns to him like, "What?" and then gets shot. Like, he's kind of, like, looks like the guy's lost. Like, he got hit with something. Like, he's in a daze. That one scene, that one part of that scene that never made sense to me is, like, why does he just walk around looking like he's stoned? Do you know what I mean? Uh, it was the 80s. Yeah. But it makes no sense. He's just, like, wandering around, like, behind Gordon when everything's happening. And he goes, hey, Acart. And he turns around and he goes, what? Um. Like, it's just, like, why is he so bewildered? Like... 
Uh, so. Um. Yeah, and this. I'm. I'm in the commission. Yeah, I didn't. You know, that commissioner Gordon. Mm. Um. I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited for Jeffrey Wright. Oh, oh I yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Player. I can't wait to see that. Yes. Because I mean, I pre- for me, I prefer Gordon when he's when it's clear that okay, yeah, I could figure out who you are, but I'm just not gonna do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, rather, think, rather than him being clueless. In the Dark Knight Rises, when he's revealing himself to Gordon at the end, all I, what I wanted from Gordon was, I know. That's all I wanted from Gordon was, I yeah. know. Yeah, because like there's always in the comics that Gordon knows who he is. Yeah. And the only reason reason he lets him get away with doing, besides them being friends. It gets him like because he even says in Hush, the only reason I let you do, I let you get away with doing the things you do is because you've never killed anyone. But the moment you cross that line, I told myself, I, no matter how much how like good of friends we are, I'm taking you down. Right. You know what I mean. And that's I think, that's I think where Nolan understood the character is he has the one rule. Um, I don't think. Zack Snyder quite understood that. And I know Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher. Well, I mean, I don't even recall if Joel, he killed in Joel Schumacher movies, but Tim Burton, Uh, Burton didn't get that. And Snyder definitely didn't. No. And, um, because I think in, um, Schumacher and, oh, it was in, um, Batman forever. He threw the coins up in there and two face fell to his death. He didn't like, save him, but he didn't necessarily kill him. Like, well, kind of kind of killed him, but he didn't necessarily. Like, it was kind of the same thing with Ra's al Ghul in in Batman Begins. He's like, I don't have to save you. Right. Um, He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Right. Yeah. If he had just saved him and put him in Arkham, he wouldn't have to deal with Bane. <laughs> 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 and his funny voice. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, or it would be very painful if you took off my mask for you. Speaking <laughs> um, of the no killing rule, I mean, just another tangent, but like one of my favorite parts of Under the Red Hood was when, when Jason finally just unloaded on him. It's like you know. um that, you know, I'm not pissed off at you because you let him kill me. I'm pissed off because you didn't kill him because, you know. Right. Yeah. Because no matter what he does, you just won't take him out. And he even killed me, and you still wouldn't take him out. Well, he was. Yeah. But he was, and Superman stopped him. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then in a hush, he was going to, and then that's when Gordon pulled the gun on him and was like, no. Like, nah, you know. Yeah, and that's, no. where, that's where he said... All these years, I've let you get away with doing this because you've never killed anyone. And he's like, "But if you continue what you're doing, I'm gonna take you out." Like, because right. he is gonna beat the Joker till he's dead. Yeah. You know, and, and um, and also of course, and then at the end of this one, he basically kills the Joker. He he wraps the, you know, he wraps the rope around his foot and then attaches it to the gargoyle and what yeah, the hell. That's another aspect of it, because the Joker's never had a clear-cut origin, and I know that in the movies they try to like give that. I mean, because this definitely had the, um, I mean, you can see it all over Spider-Man. This definitely had the like, 
the blueprint to making a superhero movie. Like, this is like what, besides Superman, this is probably definitely what they all watched. Like, how do you make a good, bat, like, superhero movie? Right. You know, well, we have to tell you how a villain becomes a villain. So, you know, I mean, they had that. But the only thing I didn't like was connecting Joker to hit the death of his parents. Like, I never liked that at all. That's my I didn't mind it then, but because I guess I wasn't as like as steep in the whole lore then when I first saw this movie. But you know, today is kind of you look at that and it's like, okay, that's a little too clever. Yeah, it's it, it, it makes that. the world smaller. Yeah, rather than because as, as opposed to like in the Dark Knight, it's just this guy showed up because of what you know, like this guy just showed up and because of what you're doing and. And in fact, he, you know, he told a different story every time about how he ended up that way. That was one of the coolest things about the Ledger version. Yeah. Nolan said he wanted to make the Joker absolute. You don't need a story. And yeah. you have that un, unreliable na- narrator when he does tell his story. And I, to me, that's – I'm okay with that. I, 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 I don't need – like it's what I said before the Joker movie came out. I was like, I don't need a Joker origin. Just yeah. let this character be. Yeah. I'll take an origin. Penguin, you can give me an origin. Catwoman, give me an origin. I don't need one with the Joker. None. Right. I don't need one with Lex Luthor. You know, right. but they're going to give you a Lex Luthor one. Oh, his daddy didn't hug him enough. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, there, are people who, there are people who never know their fathers that go out, don't go out and become megalomaniacs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know then but not like to me like somebody like the riddler you do need a story for him right because yeah i mean you know because and actually that was one of the few things that I, that I did like about the i didn't stick with the gotham tv show all the way through but one of the things i did like when i was watching it was how they did the, you know, the edward enigma right um, i think I, yeah, think, I didn't stick all the way through with that. I think I watched like the first season and a half, but I do agree. I like their interpretation of the Riddler and where he began. I like that that part that aspect of it. I think what mm-hmm. I need to see in, in future Batman takes is Gordon struggling with the idea of do we have these problems with people like the Joker, people like the Penguin, people like the Riddler if we don't have Batman or is it going oh. or is it worse? Oh, because I mean that was like uh, Batman Begins. That to me, that was like one of the end of Batman Begins was like the greatest segue to sequel ever. When he's doing yeah. when Gordon talking about the escalation, yeah, you know, okay. and then he pulls, uh, yeah, and he says, "Now you're flying around here, and you know what what comes now?" Right, but I I I want to you know, and we you know obviously through these four movies, I'll peg the Burton and the Schumacher films together. We never see Gordon struggle. We we never see any character development from Gordon. We never saw we saw we saw Oldman just Oldman's Gordon just accept it. It's like eh, it, it's gonna escalate. You, you've escalated things, and I and I you know it's almost like he accepts it. And but I want to see like. Kind of want to. I hope. I hope Rupert. No, it's not Rupert Wyatt. It's Matt Reeves, um, Ron Planet of the Apes director. Um, I want to see Matt Reeves have Gordon struggle with that. I think that's something Gordon has to struggle with. The character Gordon I know, or I like to think that I've read and seen, is would struggle with that. Is is he the problem? If I take him out, 
Does it end everything? Or have we gone too far now that now we have to keep him? Yeah. And and that's kind of the role that kind of Harvey Bullock plays a lot of times. You know, the, you know, the, why are you here? You know, we're the police. Leave us alone. Let us do our job. Get out of here. So, I mean, what? Yeah, that's one. That's one character the Nolan movies didn't really do justice as the Bullock. They never really had Bullock, did they? they didn't have, no, they didn't. Um, they didn't have him or Montoya. Uh, no, Montoya was in it, and she was in the dark. They night. used her name. I don't. It wasn't true to the character. Yeah. Oh, okay, because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what's his face? The crooked cop in Begins was supposed to be Bullock. No, that was Mark Boone Jr. That was Flash. His name was Flash. Flash, yes, Flash. But Flash was in. He was in um, Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Yes. Yes, that is a name from the comics. Yeah. And, yeah, um, they didn't really do Bullock. They haven't done yeah. Bullock. Yet. I like Bullock so, in the comics because oh they did like, Bullock on Gotham. Yeah, and, I, and that was one of the few positives. That I like that version. I, 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 I like Donald Logue. I think he's he he worked. He's good at comedy. He's good at he was good at that. I yeah. I'm not gonna complain about that. Sh- I, I I stopped watching. I was just like this. Yeah, because Bullock's always kind of like been like a little bit of a grimy cop, but like he still like believes in being a good cop. Like, you know what I mean? He wants, like, he wants to be a good cop, but he knows you got to do some bad shit to get like the good, uh, the best outcome and stuff. From what I remember of the character. Right. Bullock and Gordon are definition of good cop, bad cop. Yeah, for sure. But so I, I don't have much else to say. I think Bullock, I think Bullock we... definitely shined in the animated series. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Now there's there's I mean yeah I, I I'm not gonna disagree with that Bullock was one of the bright spots in that show and ever since then everybody's always cast John Goodman as Harvey Bullock but um he's a little old now <laughs> oh in the 90s if they did him again in the 90s like oh yeah he'd probably perfect but now yeah he's he's lost a lot of weight and he's a little too old yeah. But okay, so I think I think we've talked it out on Batman 1989. Uh, so I, I'm completely lost. I'm completely Rob. Go ahead, plug what you want. All right. <laughs> go ahead. We're, we're closing it out. I'm closing it out. I'm wrapping us up. Rob, plug your stuff. Thank you for coming on with us. We appreciate it. We're just trying to get Thank some you. different voices. On the, on here, so the podcast people can hear it and and be like, oh wow, it's not just those two idiots talking all the time. <laughs> They've got actual right. intelligent people on there now. <laughs> let me let me run through my whole lineup here. Okay, uh, well I just started my own podcast, which is here on Anchor, and it's the Rob the Genius podcast. So I have three episodes in the can now, that right. can, and, I fi- and I finally figured out how to record one episode all in one, so it's not broken up into parts. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my latest episode actually, because you know, home during quarantine, ESPN ran the thirty for thirty O.J. Simpson documentary thing all last week. So oh, wow. my yeah, my most recent episode, I spent the whole time talking about that. Uh, and you can also find me. My uh, blog is robsagenius.com. 
And you can find me on Twitter at if at R B O N N E one. And I think that's everything. And yeah, actually that that's everything. That's so you can find <laughs> me at any one of those places. But yeah, all right. Well, well, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. Um, I know we've, like I said, with my old wrestling podcast, Rob followed us, listened to us, always interacted with us. Uh, and it's just finally good to actually get him on a, on a podcast. Cause now I'm, <laughs> I'm learning technology and all this stuff, but uh, we do appreciate you coming on. We're, we're definitely going to have you back soon. And I'm going to plug us and get us out of here and Carl will take us home. But you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdicons Pod. Rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. More than you know, if you have any issues with that you take, find us on Twitter. Give us your feedback. Talk to us. You know, share the podcast with a friend. Go follow Rob. Read his stuff. Listen to his his stuff. It's it's all good. Podcast families here. Uh, Carl, take us home. Hey, guys. All right. You can find us at Nerdicons Pod on Instagram. Also, check out me and my friend's uh, toy photography on uh, Instagram called Anonymous Plastic Addicts. I'd like to thank Rob again for being on. It was a delightful conversation. Hope to have him on again. As always, keep your detox dust-free, your figures posed dynamically, and your comments back board. Until next time. Make sure you wash your fucking hands, people.